Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. Peace is surely a vital aspect of the divine life of Christ. When we receive Him as our life and Savior, we all experience peace within, peace with God, and even peace with one another. So what did the Lord Jesus mean in Luke chapter 12 when He said, I have come to cast fire on the earth. Do you think that I have come to give peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. This is a mysterious portion of the word to understand, yet surely it matches the experience of many of his seeking ones. We'll explore this passage on today's Life Study of the Bible, and for that we have Ron Kangas with us again. Ron, good to have you back. It is good to be back, and I'm especially happy to contribute to the fellowship on this portion And as you were speaking to open up the subject for this broadcast and referring to uh, these verses in Luke 12, I had a fresh impression about how important it is for us to drop our natural concept and our traditional and religious views when we read the Word. You mentioned peace. Everybody wants peace. And we all want peace of mind and world peace and peace among humankind. And this is a very noble and lofty aspiration. And God is the God of peace, and the Lord's death issued in a particular kind of corporate peace. But even regarding peace, we may have a natural concept. And the Lord here clearly says he did not come to give peace according to what we might expect, but to do something else crucial for God's economy that would have a powerful, divisive effect related to the conflict, even the warfare, between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. So there is much light in this portion of the word, but we need to be open and unveiled and willing to have a different view that's more in accord with God's thought than our own natural concept. Well, the context in which we find uh, this short three-verse passage that we'll talk about today uh, is, as the Lord now has for all intents and purposes, completed the journey that he began with his disciples traversing from Galilee down through Samaria with the intended destination of Jerusalem. And now they have come to Jerusalem, and he is speaking much about what he knows is before him, and that is his death and resurrection. So that is the context. Let's read now these three verses in Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 49. And I have come to cast fire on the earth, 
and how I wish that it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how I am pressed until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. And a corresponding portion that will come up in uh, our first segment today, in John chapter 12, verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless the grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Ron, do you have anything you'd like to add before we join Witness Lee? I would rather wait this time until we've heard Brother Lee's portion and then uh, fellowship as a way of enlarging upon that. I would only note it's really fitting to put John twelve twenty four together with these verses in Luke chapter 12. So let's pay careful attention to see the parallel significance of these two portions of the word. While the Lord was in his incarnation, he was fully bound and concealed in the human flesh. He was God. He was divine. He had divine life as his very essence and his strength and power. But he was there concealed in his humanity. His humanity was a restriction to his divine being. So he needed to uh, get himself, that is, his divine being, to be released through his death. This corresponds with John 12, 24. The Lord likened himself to a grain of wheat. Look at the grain of wheat. As long as the grain of wheat remains there, not falling into the earth and die, it remains the same. When it falls into the ground and dies there, the dead becomes a release to the inner life. And you could realize through that release a lot of riches of the life of the grain will just come out. Then this grain, after the release, will produce, will bear forth many grains. You put these two verses together, you could see both of these two verses describe the uh, release of the divine life or the divine being of the Lord's person. He was God possessing the unlimited eternal life. Yet, this unlimited life is very much restrained or restricted in his humanity. And he was anxious to see a release of this divine life, which, after being released, he could impart to so many of uh, his believers. This is the basic thought of this short portion of the word. 
Ron, it is a short portion of the word, as he pointed out, but it's uh, very deep, isn't it? And I think uh, this corresponding uh, passage in John helps us to understand, but fellowship this line a little bit, how the Lord was desirous of having a release here. In order to understand what the Lord is saying, we need to realize more concerning the Incarnation. The Incarnation is an incredible uh, mystery. God manifested in the flesh. The Lord Jesus was the God-man. According to his flesh, he was a human being, even a creature, as something created by God. In his deity, he is the very God. In his incarnation, uh, God, the triune, became flesh. And now he is living on the earth as a man containing within him the very God. But who could know and who would know, apart from special divine grace and revelation, that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. Now we come to the point here. The point is that this flesh, likened to the shell of a grain of wheat, was a confinement to the Lord. And throughout his human living, he lived peacefully, restfully, within this confinement. But now it was time for the Lord to be released. And he was constrained, he was pressed, he was desirous to pass through death, the death of the cross, so that the divine element within him could be released. So the illustration of a grain of wheat is most helpful. The life element is contained we may say, confined, even imprisoned in the grain of wheat. Only when the grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies can the life element within it be released. Mm. The Lord is saying, in John, I'm the grain of wheat. I want to release the divine life within me. That release can come only through death. In Luke 12, the principle is the same. He wanted to cast fire on the earth. As we will see, this fire is the pulse of the spiritual life that depends upon the release of the divine life within the Lord Jesus through death. And the Lord was now constrained by his flesh and wanted to be released through death. And he wanted the divine element, the divine being, the divine life within him to be released from the confinement of the human flesh through death so that this released divine life could become the pulse of the spiritual life. That's the fire that the Lord desired to cast on the earth. Well, we want to come to that uh, very portion. Again, reminding everyone of uh, the verse we began with, verse 49, I have come to cast fire on the earth and how I wish that it were already kindled. And this fire, as we will now see, becomes the impulse of the spiritual life of all the believers that follow him. Here's Witness Lee once again. Now, I'd like to go through these verses with you. Verse 49 says, I came to cast fire 
on the earth. What was the fire here? This fire is the impulse of the spiritual life, which comes from the Lord's released divine life, which causes the divisions in verses 51 through 53 even in the families of the believers. And the divisions came from this fire as the impulse of the spiritual life. His life was concealed there just like a fire was concealed. Once something breaks, the air gets in, then the fire will go into a flame. And that fire is impulse of the spiritual life. The Lord told us how I wish that you were already kindled. That means before his death, it was not. Yet we know after his death, a lot of things happened in Acts. You could see this fire was burning into a flame in the Acts. Verse 50, but I have a baptism to be baptized with. This is the death. His death actually was to him a baptism. Baptism in the New Testament denotation always conveys the thought of death. To be baptized is to be baptized into the death of Christ. Ron, I was looking as we were listening to this segment. There's a marvelous footnote on this verse in the recovery version. There's a word in verse 50 that says, and how I am pressed until it is accomplished, speaking of this baptism. The note on this word pressed, the Lord was constrained in his flesh, which he put upon himself in his incarnation. He needed to undergo physical death to be baptized, that his unlimited and infinite divine being with his divine life might be released from his flesh. His divine life, after being released through his physical death, became the impulse of his believer's spiritual life in resurrection. A good summary of everything we've heard, but it introduces this matter now of the impulse of the spiritual life. Let's fellowship on this point. Let's recall that the Lord, being the embodiment of the triune God, had within his flesh the human shell the element of God, the divine being, the divine life. And the Lord wanted this element, this life, to be released. Once this divine life is released, it would become the impulse of the spiritual life within the believers, and that is likened to fire. That is the fire he wanted to cast on the earth. Now we need to consider how could the divine life within the Lord be released. He himself indicates this when he uses the word baptism. I have a baptism to be baptized with. And baptism refers to death. And he wanted to be baptized. He knew this was the God-ordained way of releasing the divine life from within him. Then, of course, what was released in his death could be imparted in his resurrection. And that released divine life in resurrection 
would then become in his believers the impulse of their spiritual life. It motivates us, it burns within us, it supplies us, it energizes us to be one with the Lord, to carry out God's economy in this age. Well, now we come to the final verse that, uh, and how we opened the program, really, with this seeming paradox between the peace that passes understanding that the Bible talks about, and yet his word, do not think that I have come to give peace on earth. No, I tell you, but rather division. We will see the circle completed in this final segment. Verse 51. Do you think that I came to give peace on earth? In good sense, it is. When he came, the peace came, and he brought peace to the humankind. That's right. But, in that sense, it is rather division. The division is due to the satanic life in the unbelievers, struggling against the divine life in the believers. A conflict between the satanic kingdom and the kingdom of God. This conflict between the satanic life and the divine life actually is a warfare between the satanic kingdom and the kingdom of God. Since we have the life of God, we do have the reality of the kingdom of God, and we are in the reality of the kingdom of God. Yet, so many believers, they are living by the life of Satan. So they are in an other realm. They are in the reality of other kingdom. These two kingdoms just could not go together. They are against one another. So there was a kind of a struggle, and that struggle causes division. Then verse 52, from now on, there will be five in one house divided, Three against two and two against three. This has been a history through the 20 centuries. And they will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against the mother, and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. The fact here is not so pleasant. Due to the struggle between two lives. Y'all can apprehend what this portion really conveys. But don't go tell your folk that I now have the divine life and you all don't have, so there will be a war <laughs> between us. Uh, you will be against me, and uh, even though I don't be, like to be against you, yet still, you will be against me. That would be stupid. Just go back to live a life so humble, so peaceful, and so submissive. Let the Lord do something. Well, I like his point here. We don't have to do anything to help bring this struggle about. I think uh, now, in our experience, many of us have had this experience, either ourselves or family members, after uh, a strong receiving of the Lord Jesus. There is inevitably a conflict, isn't there, Ron? There should be. If there's not, there's something not normal in our spiritual life. Uh, Of course, we shouldn't provoke this kind of conflict. We should be humble. We should be gracious. We should uh, exhibit a love which is the fruit of the Spirit. 
But we need to recognize, according to the Lord's word, the nature of the situation. The whole world lies in the evil one. He possesses all the unbelievers. They have his satanic life. As long as you go along with him, there's a kind of peace. The Lord comes into the scene determined to redeem and call and save and regenerate God's chosen ones. Eventually, the divine life is imparted to them. This life becomes the impulse of their spiritual life. Mm-hmm. They begin to live in another realm in the reality of the kingdom of the heavens. And there's a reaction from the satanic realm. And there's a reaction from the people in that realm who continue to live according to the satanic life. And the enemy uses them to oppose the children of God, the believers in Christ. The reason I said there should be such a reaction is, although we should not provoke any conflict, we have to be faithful to the Lord, to be one with the Lord, in a proper way to witness to him, to testify of him, to live him. We should not fear this reaction. We need to be one with the Lord and recognize that time and time again, there will be conflict within the human household. And that conflict mirrors or expresses the conflict between the two kingdoms. We now have the divine life The satanic life fights against that. This is inevitable. Eventually, it is unavoidable. We need to be faithful to live according to the fire burning within us, the impulse of our spiritual life, which impulse has its origin in the released divine life, the life released through the baptism of the Lord's death. So we testify again And we're happy to do it. The Lord came to cast fire on the earth. In Luke 12, he wished that it were already kindled. But now we can say, praise the Lord, it has not only been kindled, but it is burning. And this flame will never be put out. I really appreciate this portion of the word. And I admit my need of and also appreciation for the genuine and proper opening of this word through the ministry of our brother. So we lay this before the Lord's children, ask them to read and reread the scriptures, to pray over them. And now I'm saying something in advance of what you often do, (laughs) to receive the life study messages, right? Right. That they may consider the interpretation of, of this portion in light of the portion itself. And we believe that the spirit of truth will bear witness to the truth of what we've been testifying uh, in this program concerning the release of the divine life through the baptism of the Lord's death and the consequent casting of fire on the earth. Again, not to make us excited merely, but mainly for the carrying out of God's eternal economy. Well, one testimony we can surely give, and that is the more that we are drawn into this realm of really experiencing and enjoying Christ as the divine life, we will experience a conflict 
It may come from any number of uh, sources. It might be family, it might be religion, it might be uh, neighbor or friend, but it will happen nonetheless because these two kingdoms are engaged in this uh, battle that will rage until the Lord comes again. I really appreciate our fellowship today, Ron. This was uh, very, not just enlightening, but uh, life-giving as well. Well, we thank the Lord. He is the real life-giver. Uh, I will follow up your uh, uh, recommendation by just adding the toll-free number whereby people can contact us about these Life Study messages. It is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Ron Kangas today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one, and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.